Why, it is she that has got all Narnia under her thumb. It's she that makes it always winter. Always winter, never Christmas. She was working retail part-time while trying to finish college. The hours were long and hard. She often thought about and reflected on the fact that all her days were filled with only work, with study, or sleeping, and that it was a rare thing that she was able to do anything fun, to make friends, or to enjoy life. Besides, extra money was a very rare thing when time was kind to her. The seeming dark and overwhelming cloud did, however, have a few silver linings. Her family lived nearby, and she could visit them from time to time, take a hot meal with them, enjoy the company of those who loved her. She also had a suitor. They shared two classes together, and during a group exercise, they had formed a friendship, a friendship that eventually led to a date, and one date led to another date. She was very glad for the company. She felt so alone in this world. Her brother, the only person she ever really felt close to, was overseas fighting in the war. Her father and mother both worked full time their entire lives, and when they weren't at work, they had their own interests that didn't involve her. Her suitor, he had come from a broken family. He had lived with his mother, who had seen many boyfriends come and go throughout her life. And he never really knew his father, so he too was glad when he met a nice girl that might give him love and stability, a love and stability he'd never really known. He worked as a carpenter for a very small construction company and wanted more from life, so he was trying to get himself through college and break free from what seemed to him to be a dead-end job. The young man and woman enjoyed what little time they were able to spend together, going out for dinners, going to the movie, or to the bars to dance and let loose. One morning, the young girl felt sick. She'd never felt sick like this before, so she went to the clinic to make sure all was well. Fearing the worst in the back of her mind, knowing in her heart what had happened, knowing that life had begun inside her. The very same day, the young man was called into the office of his supervisor. The supervisor explained that because of the economy, because of new health care laws, because of the increase in the cost of doing business, he was letting some people go. The supervisor told the young man that since he was the low man on the totem pole, the youngest, it would be him. He said he was sorry, but that was life. Later that very same day, the young woman came crying to him with her news. He never even got to tell her that he now had to drop back out of school, that he now had no job and very little hope. The news she brought made him sick, struck fear into his heart, blinded him to everything but himself. And so the young man did what his own father had done, ran, never returning her calls, never answering her letters, never speaking to anyone that they knew again. He slipped away, moved to another town, and tried to start life over again. But she couldn't run, 
Wherever she went, life went with her. So scared and alone, with very little hope herself, she went to her parents' house and shared her news. She went to her parents' house longing to be loved, needing comfort and assurance, needing hope. She found none. Her parents disowned her. What would everybody in the small town think, they said. They would become the town gossip. They wanted nothing to do with her. And her boss, upon learning of her condition, found ways to cut back her hours, knowing she would become a burden, knowing she would end up being more trouble than she was worth. Always winter, never Christmas. C.S. Lewis, in his novel, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, imagined a world morally very similar to the one of his own experience. The novelist said in 1940s England during the Second World War with four main characters, children, sent to the countryside to escape the bombing of London. These four children end up in the house of an eccentric professor and discover a new world in the back of the wardrobe. But the new world is bleak and dark, cold, unforgiving. It is a cursed world under the rule of the White Witch. The White Witch has done her best to make that world a hopeless one, a world that is separated, alone, broken, hopeless. And one of the characters, Mr. Tumnus, a fawn, sums up the, very, the situation very clearly when he tells one of the young characters, why, it is she that has got all Narnia under her thumb. It is she that makes it always winter. Always winter, never Christmas. Think of that. Always winter, never Christmas. The four children learn hope in Narnia, a hope they can take back to their own world. Under the rule and curse of the White Queen, they hear from the different animals they meet and encounter whispers of redemption. Aslan is on the move. Aslan is on the move. Aslan, the powerful lion, who was the only hope for Narnia against the power of the White Witch. And the rumor that Aslan is on the move was a source of great hope, a reason for the Narnians to get excited. Every eye was peeled for any sign of Aslan's arrival. There was great vigilance, great expectation. So in the midst of a crushing winter, in the midst of bleakness, in the midst of oppression, in the midst of violence, in the midst of the great curse of the White Witch, seemingly helpless and powerless characters look up, raise their heads, and watch as Aslan crushes the witch in her core curse, restoring the world to its perfect state. C.S. Lewis's novel has given hope and encouragement to so many in his generation when it was first released and to ours when it was released in a movie a few years ago. Our world is not at all that much different from the world Lewis lived in when he wrote this beloved novel. And it's no wonder it's considered one of the top 100 novels of all times. It hits in a place deep in our soul. For we too live under the curse of original sin. Our world too is fallen. And although our cities are not being bombed and the world is not at war, or at least not all of it, we are still affected by the great curse Lewis wrote of. 
There is in our world, brothers and sisters, a sense of hopelessness. There is in our world isolation. There is in our world darkness. We live in a world that is broken and cruel. A world that is indeed always winter, never Christmas. The gospel lesson for this Sunday is very telling of the state of things. And there will be signs and sun and moon and stars and upon the earth distress of nations and perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves, men fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when you see these things, when these things begin to take place, look up, raise your head, your redemption draws nigh. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, as we view the signs and the sun and the moon and the stars, as we witness the distress of the nations, as men faint with fear is what is coming on the world, we shall not faint with them. Rather, we shall look up, we shall raise our heads, our redemption draws nigh. It is our greatest hope, our foundation, that the great curse that is upon this world has been broken by none other than Jesus Christ. Just as the animals and the lion and the witch in the wardrobe rose up, called on Aslan and refused to despair, so shall we. As war continues to rage, as brokenness continues around us, as nations become distressed, we shall not faint, rather, we shall give to the world hope. As winter grips the world in fear and dread, we shall show them Christmas. God becoming man in Jesus Christ. God loving the world enough to save it from the great curse. The season of Advent, the season we're in, is much like our own world. We must wait, we must long for, and we must hope for Christmas. But during these days and in our lives, let us whisper as the animals in Narnia whispered, God is on the move. God is on the move. Let us comfort. Let us give courage to those who have lost hope. Let us give hope and courage to those whose lives are broken. The story I began with this morning is not at all uncommon. So many in our world feel so alone, are broken, have lost all hope. In these days, brothers and sisters, let us raise our heads and see that salvation is indeed coming. And by doing so, let us share with the world the true meaning of Christmas. Let us work during the season of Advent to shatter winter itself by giving hope to the hopeless, by giving love and kindness to those who are unloved. Let us befriend the friendless and give Jesus to those who know him not. My brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, by our very lives, let us show this cursed world what Christmas truly is. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.